You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Big time guest on this episode as the one and only Phil Steele joins me on this episode. Phil Steele's 2019 college football preview is on newsstands in store shelves now and we'll get his thoughts on the Gators and college football but before we do remember you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there catch us on Apple Podcasts Google Play YouTube Spotify all those services out there when using those services please share rate and review the show and on social media follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown so let's get straight to our guest Phil Steele joining me right here on Gators Breakdown as his 2019 college football preview has just released. Go pick it up. Dive into the world of college football. Phil, can you uh, finally exhale a little bit now that the magazine's out? Oh, I tell you what, David, this is my favorite time of year right now, you might say, because, um, you know, during football season, it's uh, 100-hour work weeks, and all of a sudden it's magazine deadline for six months. And uh, now it's summertime. I'm just doing – 10 radio shows a day, talking football all day long. This is like being on vacation right now. <laughs> do, do, do you have a real vacation coming up anytime soon? Uh, a day here, a day there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I, I, like, I like to work on football and, and get things done. There we go. I, I know how that is as well. So let's go back to last year first before we dive into this uh, 2019 preview where you pegged the Gators as uh, your most improved team in, in your 2018 preview magazine. Phil, you really hit on that. Uh, was that a belief in Dan Mullen and his staff or maybe an underdeveloped, underutilized talent from Jim McElwain? When it was all said and done, Florida had 10 wins and a top 10 finish. Yeah, I think it was a combination of a lot of factors. You go back to 2017, that's a year where all those uh, suspensions happened and, and the injuries and everything that could go wrong went wrong in 2017. And I like to take teams like that and realize that, you know, they weren't as bad as the 4-7 and seven record would indicate. They finished the season with a thud, losing games, uh, big games down the stretch. But uh, I like the overall talent level. Dan Mullen coming in, I thought, stepped into a really good situation. And he had 19 returning starters coming back as well. Then when I factored in the schedule, uh, I thought they would win quite a few games. So I had my number one most improved team in the country. And, heck, they didn't disappoint. They went from 4-7 and seven all the way up to finishing number seven in the final poll. So uh, they made me look good. And everybody asks me every year, David, they say, you know, who's, do you have a favorite team, Phil? And I go, yes, I do. And they're like, who is it? And I go, it's a team I picked higher than everyone else. So last <laughs> year, I was wearing Gator shirts to work, rooting for Florida on a weekly basis because I had my number one most improved team. we got to find that video of you doing the Gator chomp somewhere. 
There you go. It, I was doing it. Believe me, I was doing it every Saturday. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's fast forward. 2019 previews out, hitting newsstands and store shelves now, and the Gators come in tenth in your top 40. And and you mentioned in those rankings that is that's kind of where you see teams finishing the season, uh, not necessarily a ranking going into the season. And in your power poll, the, the Gators come in at eighth, where you're kind of only concerned with the strength of the team and don't really factor in a schedule there. Your two main rankings have the Gators in the top ten. Yeah, and I like the talent, and I think Florida's a legitimate contender to Georgia this year. Uh, you know, you start with Felipe Franks. Remember last year at one point, Felipe Franks basically lost his job. It was going to be Kyle Trask starting, and then Trask got injured during the week. They had to go back to Franks. And what we saw was a different Felipe Franks after that. Franks down the stretch was much better. He looked like a Dan Mullen quarterback, running the football, throwing the football well. And uh, I think he's got a pretty good cast around him. My biggest question mark with Florida has got to be the offensive line. Uh, only one starter back on the O-line. I realize they have a little bit more experience than that, like with Brett Heggie coming in at guard. Uh, he has been a starter before. But I love the skilled personnel on the offense. And defensively, each unit ranks in my top units. They have my number 10 rated defensive line, number 17 set of linebackers, number 5 DBs, and then the special teams are good. I have my number 11 rated special teams. When I look at the schedule this year, uh, there's two games I have an underdog in this year, at LSU and then Georgia, which is in Jacksonville. Neither one are they a big underdog, but they're an underdog. And then there's two, a couple of toss-up games on the schedule. I think the Miami-Florida game is going to be a tough one in the opener. Uh, South Carolina is a question mark on the road. And then Missouri, let's face it, Missouri's had Florida's number the last two years. Can the Gators get over that? Uh, but when I look at the talent and the schedule, this is a top-10 team that's capable of contending in the SEC East. Uh, so some Gator, some uh, Gator fans are after me, Phil, and they wanted me to ask you about this. You know, you have Florida in your top ten, uh, and in your bowl projections, there's a matchup of Florida and Texas Tech in the Liberty Bowl. So how does Florida end up in the Liberty Bowl? Is it, you know, with a with, wouldn't a top ten finish kind of have them in contention for a, a New Year's Six bowl or kind of right below that for Outback or Citrus or something along those lines? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? The magazine right now, uh, I added up the uh, the words and the numbers in the magazine. And there is actually over a million. So, I mean, there's so much information in a magazine. And let me take you into the, the magazine process down the stretch. I've tried to interview as many coaches as I can. I use the cutoff maybe 10 days before the magazine is out is when I stop the coaches' interviews. That's why I can only get to 110. Now i got to do my conference forecast. Then I don't even do the bowl projections. I have a guy that does the bowl projections. And he's coming in going, well, how do you rank these teams? i got to do bowl projections. I'm like, I I'm trying to figure out the ranking. It's just all kind of franticism down the stretch. So uh, I'm not sure. You know, I, I don't even know if he did the bowl projections prior to me doing the top ten. But the bowl projections to me are a fun page. You know, you throw some bowl teams out there. If I have Florida in the top ten, I feel they're a top ten team. So all the Gator fans that are getting <laughs> all fired up about the Liberty Bowl thing, uh, you know, I think the bowl matchups are just a fun thing. And maybe maybe we'll try to have put a little more emphasis on that next year and make sure that uh, we don't have something like that slip through the cracks. But it is pretty frantic down the stretch. Absolutely. And uh, so I guess, you know, we'll continue along that same line, you know, are, are you know, for, I guess just right off the cuff here, you, are we looking at Florida in, in your mind with, you know, your formula and your rankings uh, fighting for one of those New Year's Six bowl games? I mean, if I have my number 10 team in the country, yes. I mean, you'd have to think they have that possibility. Now, 
Uh, I'd be honest with you, once again, I'm not thinking ahead necessarily to mm-hmm. that right now. I'm just thinking how they're going to finish in the season because I want to win that most accurate uh, <laughs> magazine every year. So I'm most concerned about division and games and, and uh, you know, how the bowls get shaken out. Uh, I haven't really looked at too closely, but you'd have to. If you're a top-ten team, you have to be con- in the consideration. Uh, Phil, yeah, you, you talked about the process of your magazine, and before we go a little bit further, you know what goes into your rankings of like your, your top forty. You, you know, um, you watch a ton of college football. You have formulas that play into your thought process. How much of it is your own analysis with with, with an eye test versus how much you know like the formula and your numbers come into play? Well, each position is an eye. You know, is based on my my input on the team. In other words, if if a computer, uh, I grade every position uh, basically from. Uh, six to ten, uh, and all the way across the board. You know, offensive line, quarterbacks, and my computer could come in at let's say eight point two, and I'm like, no, 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 no. They're better than that. They're weaker than that. So there is a lot of adjustment there. It's not a pure number thing. There are some of my power ratings that are pure numbers. Uh, you know, just based on the scores of the games, things like that, which is how a lot of power ratings are based on. So I take all nine sets of power ratings, meld them together, play them into the schedule, and then sometimes it gives me varying results. Uh, you know, one power rating might call for a team to be six and six, and another one might call for that same team to be a eleven and one. Then you have to figure out, okay, which one am I more towards? And a lot of thought process in there. But the t- going into the top forty, I do look at what the computer numbers are for projected wins for the season, and uh, and then I have to evaluate and look at the schedule a little bit, see who I think will be favored dog and. Yeah, it's just uh, there's no exact science to it, but uh, a lot of times I, I have based my top 40s based on teams that I think is going to get are going to get the most wins this year. Phil Steele joining us right here on Gators Breakdown, and Phil, we all look at uh, returning experience as a big factor in determining success for the coming year. And in your preview, you have the Gators uh, with 86.3 percent of yards returning, and that was 13th in the nation. Uh, about 70 percent of the returning tackles coming back. Uh, but you, you you make sure, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, you point uh, how, about how many offensive line starts are coming back. And this is where Florida lacks only 24 starts returns, and that ranks 127th out of 130 teams. Yeah, it makes it the biggest question mark on the team in my mind. And Florida last year, you know, we talked about why, why I called them the most improved team in the country last year. They were number four on my experience chart. They were the fourth most experienced team. And uh, I used to do the experience chart, David, uh, oh, probably 15 years ago. I remember the magazine's been around for about 25 years. Uh, the first experience chart came out. It was just seniors, juniors, sophomores, and freshmen in the two deep. Since then, we have added percentage of lettermen returning, percentage of yards returning, percentage of tackles returning, career starts on the offensive line. I think it's made it that much better. And Florida this year, with all those factors combined, is number 52 on the experience chart. So they're less experienced than they were heading into last year. Uh, But overall, I I think if they can get that offensive line, that's going to be the key thing because all the other units rank in my top units in the magazine. Uh, top five secondary is nothing to scoff at, but, uh, you know, C.J. Henderson, Gators had the return of Marco Wilson. Uh, and, you know, what's holding back uh, in your mind from Florida being behind some of those other secondaries like LSU, Cal, and Alabama? Uh, not much. I mean, it, it, <laughs> when you get to the top of the level like that, it's sort of like this year, for example. Who's got the best offense, Clemson or Alabama? And I could go line by line right down. It's like a beauty contest. Well, <laughs> this one's really beautiful, and that one's really beautiful. I'm going to go with this one. So, I mean, there's not a lot separating the top five 
uh, out there. But uh, basically, you look at the fact that last year in my pass efficiency defense ratings, which take into account the quarterbacks you face as well, Florida was number 15 in my pass efficiency defense rankings, and LSU was a little bit higher. So that's why I have the, the LSU ranked higher. And, and let's face it, LSU's got a, a pretty talented secondary this year. Yeah, bringing in Stingley as a true freshman, too, who you can't even really yeah. formulate formulate right now because of the type of talent he is as a true freshman. So, yeah, you know, that DBU debate will continue on, uh, Phil. So, uh, you know, yeah. with, all, <laughs> with all this said, Phil, you know, reading through your magazine, you really see the SEC East coming down to the showdown here in Jacksonville against the Bulldogs. Uh, a top 10 matchup last year just may well set up that way again. Yeah, I think so. And if you're looking for uh, another team that could enter the mix, and I'm not saying they will because really talent-wise they're not up there. I got them number 25 on my power poll. But Missouri would have that opportunity for this reason. Missouri's got a cake schedule this year. I mean, you go right down the line, and they might just be favored in the majority of their games this season. And then the two toughest teams. You know, you look at the Florida game last year. I was shocked Missouri came into the swamp and beat the Gators 38 to 17 in a beatdown. And then if you watch the Missouri Georgia game last year, uh, I actually, uh, for my ESPN article, I had picked Georgia to win by more than two touchdowns. Watch the game. I was surprised Missouri sort of outplayed them at the line of scrimmage. Georgia needed some big plays. I think they got a punt return touchdown, fumble return touchdown, just to win by 14. So I thought Missouri played Georgia well last year. They do have to play them between the hedges this year, but they would be about the only other team, I think, that would enter into the SEC East mix. But I do feel the East comes down to the game in Jacksonville between Florida and Georgia. And I think it'll be a lot better game than last year. Last year, a couple things went wrong in Florida's favor, which turned it into a 19-point loss. But I think they have the talent to play with Georgia. Yeah, that game was, you know, one-score game in the fourth quarter. Uh, right. And, and um, now, you know, if we fast-forward and feel, of course, it's hard to forecast, <laughs> of course, when, when off-field issues happen. And uh, Holloman is now out for Georgia at the wide receiver position there. How, how do you see this Bulldogs team? And now, you know, with an update of uh, a very inexperienced wide receiver core. Yeah, they lose their top five receivers from last year. And, you know, I, I don't know if the Holloman thing is that big of a factor. He's only the number four receiver last year. And the receiving core was good, but not, you know, they didn't have a thousand yard receiver last year to replace. I like the talent they have at receiver. They've got perhaps the best offensive line in the country. They've got a veteran quarterback in Jake Fromm. Love DeAndre Swift at running back. So I think how that receiving core comes along, and, and there's once again, there's talent there. These guys have size. They have speed. The thing they're lacking is the experience level. Uh, I think they will come along and, and be a decent receiving core despite the inexperience. And defensively, I think they're even better than last year. So this is a very dangerous Georgia team, uh, one that does uh, uh, rank number two on my offensive line in the country, and their special teams are solid as well. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, that's one where I have the 12 TVs, David, in front of me on a Saturday during football, and I'm watching all the games. That's going to be on my, one of my main four TVs that I'm watching, and probably the main one. <laughs> We're all looking forward to it here, especially uh, me here located in Jacksonville. Phil. That, that, and I was raised in South Georgia, so that, that's my biggest game of the year, uh, personally. It's, <laughs> it's been Florida and Georgia matchup. Uh, let's, let's go uh, to the beginning of the season. Phil, you had the Gators' first opponent of the season, Miami, as your second-ranked surprise team. What is it about Manny Diaz and the Hurricanes where you can see a, a, a kind of a turnaround from uh, Mark Rick's final season to Manny Diaz's first season? Well, last year, their offense struggled most of the year. Uh, they got very uh, poor quarterback play. I mean, they completed about 50% of their passes, 
had 14 interceptions on the year, only 19 touchdowns, very inconsistent throughout the year. Uh, and there was no problem with the defense. Miami had a very good defense last year. Uh, they only gave up 279 yards per game, 19.5 points per game. So generally when a first-year head coach comes in, he's got to learn the player's strengths and weaknesses. Players have to learn new systems. But Manny Diaz's case, he knows the players. Players know the systems. So they're fine, and they once again do have a top-10 defense. I mean, their linebacking core has been there for four years. Pinkney, Quarterman, McLeod, they're tough up front. The secondary is solid. The question mark last year was offense, and this year when I talked to Coach Diaz and was going out through the team with him, He's very high on offense coordinator Dan Enos. He thinks he's going to get the most out of this offense. Uh, Tate Martell comes over as a transfer from Ohio State. I think they get improved quarterback play. Uh, they're deep at running back. Harris, Lingard, and, and D.J. Davis are all dangerous. Uh, the receiving core is solid, and so is the offensive line. And then I like their schedule. I mean, they play the number mm-hmm. 69 schedule in the country this year. They leave Miami on September the 7th to go to North Carolina. They don't leave again until October 26th. So that's a lot mm-hmm. of home games. Most of the toughest games in the ACC are at home. I think they, they get back to the ACC title game, and if they only have one loss heading into that, that means they're just basically an upset of Clemson away from getting to the title game. And I like teams that only have to have like one or two upsets on a year to me to make it as a surprise team. Yeah, Phil, it is a it is a different world in the ACC right now than when you compare oh, to the, yeah. SEC, the SEC and Florida schedule. Uh, we're playing, you know, now in the West. Uh, I'll, I'll get to Auburn in just a second. Ask you about them since it's not really a common opponent for Florida anymore. But Auburn and LSU, and if you get to the SEC title game, Alabama, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a different world uh, compared to uh, what a team like Miami must face. And let's go into the other end uh, of the bookend uh, in the schedule. You have FSU as your third-ranked most improved team for 2019. Like as we said, if we go back to a year ago, Florida was your top pick for the most improved team last year Seminoles come in third this year 2018 wasn't too kind to Willie Taggart what do you see as reasons for the the, the Seminoles rebound in 2019 yeah much like with Florida last year I mean if it could go wrong and went wrong with Florida State it was just a tough year and uh, you know when I talked to coach Taggart this year and we were going over the team uh, he said the players were a little hurt with Jimbo leaving last year and everybody's over that now it's a second year. Everybody's fully bought in, invested. I like the depth better this year than what they had last year. Uh, the, I think James Blackman's a, a quarterback that uh, the team will run through a brick wall for, which is a big plus. When I talked to Coach Taggart last spring, he was really high on Kalen LeBourne, the running back. And then he goes and gets injured in the opener. They've got Akers back. They've got LeBourne. They've got Grant, dangerous receivers. Their offensive line, uh, let's face it, I mean, I, I had expectations for them last year, and they just they still were bad. I'm not putting them up in my top 40 until they actually show me they can play offensive mm-hmm. line because they haven't had good offensive line playing about five years at Florida State. But they've got – experience there, some experience there, and some talent. We'll see if they can come together. Defensively, once again, this is a defense that was not bad last year. I mean, well, they were bad in areas. They give up 416 yards per game. Highly unusual for Florida State, but you look at these guys getting off the bus. They look pretty good, and I think that Coach Taggart in his second year will have them playing better. So Florida State, I'm looking at a big increase record-wise. I think they, they finished second in their division, but to be honest with you, David, when you look at the ACC, Clemson will be at least a 17-point favorite in every single game this year. So as much as improved as Florida State is, I don't see them as much of a test in Death Valley on October the 12th. 
Uh, you mentioned you, you you talked to Manny Diaz, you you talked to Willie Taggart, you get to talk to these coaches. Uh, did you get to talk to Dan Mullen or somebody on the Florida staff as well? You know, it's one of the schools I didn't get to talk to this okay. year. So it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, um, I like to talk to them all, but uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> schedules don't work out. Uh, you know, a coach will say, "Hey, I got Wednesday at noon available, and I've got two coaches booked already," right. or you know, vice versa. And then all of a sudden, it's ten days before the magazine is out, and I have to put a cut out somewhere. So I'm like, "That's it, done with coaches' calls." Gotcha. And at least we got 110 in though this year. I was Absolutely. pretty pleased. Absolutely there. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Auburn uh, is the SEC West uh, rotational opponent for the Gators this year. Phil used to be a, a, a pretty nasty rivalry with, with Florida and Auburn. You go to the 90s and the teams, you know, Auburn's on probation, but the, the, the game that comes down to one or two losses of the season for both of those opponents, whether it's Florida and Auburn, uh, it, it's an old-time Gator rivalry that uh, we miss very dearly, but we get it again uh, this year. And Gus Malzahn, some hot seat talk. i got to figure out a quarterback position. Uh, what's your forecast for Auburn this year and maybe by the time they're, uh, you know, that midseason matchup versus Florida? This is a very good Auburn team, and this is an Auburn team that really shows you the difference between my power poll and then my rankings because Auburn is a legitimate top-ten team. You look at them, defensive line, I was shocked Derek Brown opted to come back to the uh, college game. He could probably have been a first-round draft pick in the NFL. Uh, he rates my number two rated defensive line. Their offensive line, I rate number five in the country. A veteran group, practically everybody back. Gus Malls on calling the offense. Well, we saw what they can do in the bowl. They put up 63 points on Purdue, and I think they had 50-some of them in the first half of that game. Uh, he's at his best when he's got a mobile quarterback. He's got one. I think Joey Gatewood wins the job. A lot of comparisons between Gatewood and Cam Newton. He's 6'5", 227, big guy that can run and throw. Uh, with a solid offensive line defense, this is a very dangerous Auburn team. Now, what I don't like about Auburn is the schedule. They have to play Texas A&M, Florida, LSU, all on the road, as well as Georgia and Alabama in Jordan-Hare. Now, they did beat Georgia and Alabama in Jordan-Hare two years ago. Uh, they could very well beat any of these five teams that they play. But right now in Vegas, they're an underdog in five games which is why I have them lower in the rankings than I do in the power poll. But that's not going to be an easy out for Florida. That's a very good uh, Auburn team, especially if Joey Gatewood develops as I think he can a quarterback. Yeah, we know him pretty good here. He's from Jacksonville, Northeast Florida kid, so I got to follow him a good bit. And, yeah, he kind of seems tailor-made for that Gus Belzon offense. You know, as long as he he's coming along well, well uh, in learning that offense. Uh, Phil Still, uh, his college football preview magazine, 2019 version, out on store shelves now. Uh, Phil, before I let you go, a couple more. We'll widen the scope a little bit. Uh, look at it, look at it nationally in the college football playoff. Uh, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Michigan. Your picks. Uh, you know, Michigan, maybe not one of the four best teams power poll wise in the country. Uh, Florida fans, we know will have the Peach Bowl, Peach Bowl from last season in their minds, but they do get a favorable schedule. And Ohio State may take a step back without Urban Meyer. But uh, two teams we're familiar with: Alabama and Clemson. Uh, maybe Georgia squeezing in in there, and uh, and Michigan your uh, four picks for the college football playoff. Yeah, and Alabama and Clemson are pretty much no-brainers, as mentioned. Clemson going to be a 17-point favorite in every single game this year, and Alabama probably going to be a double-digit favorite in every game this year. When you look at Alabama, you know one of the key differences last year they had three returning starters on defense. This year they have six. So they only lost five guys in the NFL. 
that's a pretty low number for that defense. Uh, they are going to be better defensively. They're solid on special teams. And the toughest games for them are at Auburn, at Texas A&M probably this year. And if they can win those, and, and they will be a double-digit favorite, then they get back there. And plus, they've got that 44-16 to 16 chip on their shoulder this year. Georgia, we talked about earlier. I've got them favored in all 12 of the regular season games. The Florida game probably being one of the biggest tests, as well as their, their trip to Jordan-Hare. Those two games be my biggest concern if you're Georgia. And with Michigan, you know, last year the season ended in a thud. The Ohio State game, the Florida game. But if you watch this team during the season, I mean, they were dominant in most games. They beat Penn State 42-7, to Wisconsin 38-13. to uh, They were just blowing teams out on a weekly basis. Don Brown's defense in the bowl game was missing quite a few starters. I think they're going to be back to be that top-notch defense that Don Brown's always put on the field. And offensively, uh, they're switching to the spread option offense with uh, uh, Josh Gaddis coming over from Alabama. And it fits Shea Patterson like a glove, the perfect offense. You're not going to see the fullback two tight ends. You're going to see them a little bit more spread out. They've got dangerous receivers in Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Tariq Black. And they've got an offensive line that I rate number four in the country. They're also solid on special teams at number seven. And the three toughest opponents this year, I'm talking about Notre Dame, Michigan State, Ohio State, they get them all at home. So I have Michigan favored in all 12 games this year, and I think this is the year that Harbaugh finally breaks through. And if you're thinking, hey, this guy probably's called for Michigan to do it, no. I've called for Ohio State to beat Michigan, I think, for 12 straight years. I only missed once. I think once Michigan got him. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a guy that's always picked Ohio State, and this year I'm finally picking Michigan. So as a, as a college football fan, are you getting a little bit of Alabama and Clemson fatigue? You know, a little bit. Uh, but the good news is, if you do have Alabama and Clemson fatigue, I'm going to throw this out at you. Despite the fact I think they're the two best teams in the country coming into the year, Clemson last year was a four-touchdown favorite against Syracuse at home in Death Valley. They're down by two scores in the fourth quarter, and they needed a third-string quarterback to complete a fourth-and-ten pass to keep the game-winning drive alive. Had they lost that game to Syracuse, Syracuse would have tied them in the division, won the tiebreaker with the head-to-head, and been in the ACC title game, and Clemson might very well have missed the playoff last year. So the beautiful thing about college football is every week means something, and you slip up somewhere along the line, like Ohio State at Purdue last year, you may just have done in your entire season. And so anything can happen, and I love that about college football. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what we all love about it. And right before I let you go, Phil, I think I'm, I'm definitely going to agree with you. The team I've kind of picked out of out of not really the hat, but, you know, going and, and reading a lot of previews this summer, I'm a big fan of Utah uh, as well, and maybe maybe kind of being that surprise team. Uh, the, all the experience that they bring back, uh, playing out there in the Pac-12, that, that's a team I'm, I'm kind of pegging for something big this year as well. Yeah, my number one surprise team last year, which is a non-top-10 team that I think can make the playoff, it was the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Notre Dame were not in the top-10 at the start of the year. Lo and behold, they went 12-0 and and made the playoff last year. And when I look at Utah this year, you know, they just went 7-6 and and 9-5 and the last two years, which isn't very good. But last year, they lost their starting quarterback, Tyler Huntley, with five games to go in the season. They lost their star running back, Zach Moss. He's one of the best running backs in the country. Five games to go in the season. They still made it to the Pac-12 title game. Very nearly beat Washington. Blew a big lead over Northwestern in the bowl and finished just 9-5. Well, Huntley's back. Moss is back. The replacements are back. The offensive line is solid. The receiving core is, but I love their defense. And you're an SEC country, so you'll understand defense. defensive lines win games. 
They have what I think is the best defensive line in college football. Bradley Ane, Penasini, Fotu. They go 11 deep on the D-line. Six or seven of these guys have NFL talent. Good, solid linebacking core. Shut down corner in Jalen Johnson. Free safety in Justin Blackman. And then when you look at the schedule, last year they had to play the top four teams out of the north. This year they avoid Oregon. They avoid Stanford. Two toughest tests are at USC and at Washington. Washington rebuilding a little bit. USC is beatable. Uh, I think Utah's got the talent and schedule to potentially surprise everyone and make the playoff berth this year. We'll see how it goes. All right, lastly, Phil, before I let you go, just because the magazine's out, it doesn't mean you're done covering the game, as you alluded to earlier. Uh, what do you have in, uh, have in store for your fans and your followers during the season? Well, I appreciate that. You know, right now you can get the magazine. It's out at Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Books A Million, CVS, Target, Walgreen, Public, all those great places. And uh, you can also get it online at philsteel.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E.com. And uh, where you go there, you can pick up the magazine digitally, or you can even purchase the magazine. And during the season, make sure you follow me on ESPN. If you go to ESPN. Uh, plus.com slash Phil Steele. You can sign up for ESPN Plus and you get to watch a lot of football games on your iPhone or iPad or your computer with uh, ESPN Plus. So check out ESPN Plus.com slash Phil Steele and get all my articles during the football season. As, in, uh, as, as your magazine shows, Phil, yeah, you have those mini screens lined up in front of you watching all, uh, college football all day, mini games going on there. So, uh, and you're busy this time of year as well. Always a busy man, Phil, still. I can't thank you enough for uh, joining me here on Gators Breakdown for the first time, and uh, hopefully we can make this a, an annual occurrence. Sounds good, David. Hopefully we can do it for, oh, let's say the next 25 years of the magazine. Really enjoyed chatting football with you today. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. That's Phil Still. Pick up his magazine on newsstands and in stores now. Before I go, let's take a look back at the big commitment from last week of Antoine Powell from Portsmouth, Virginia, right outside of Norfolk. Four-star, weak side defensive end, 6'3", 234 pounds. He's the 136th ranked player in the country. The number six weak side defensive end. Probably probably will play Buck uh, for the Gators. That's kind of what... you know, Todd Grantham, uh, you know, defensive coordinator there for Florida. Torian Gray's instrumental too here in the in the commitment. Uh, of course, a player from Virginia, you you would expect that, uh, but also very instrumental in, in bringing this in. But we'll probably um, Powell will probably play Buck uh, for the Gators when the uh, when it's all said and done when he's on campus uh, there. And of course, he tweeted out first and foremost. I would like to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for giving me the ability to play the game that I love. I would like to thank all the colleges and their coaching staff that offered me an opportunity to be a part of their football program. I'm very thankful for my family, friends, coaches, and the community support I've received on and off the field and during the recruitment process. With that being said, I feel the best decision for me, and I'm excited to announce that I am 100% committed to the University of Florida. So Powell, uh, if you go look at his film, you know, mentioned he would probably pay buck for the Gators, but some great anticipation uh, off the snap there. Uh, his ridiculous first step, he gets in the backfield fast. Uh, and also at times sets the edge you know, when he needs to. You're, you're looking at that um, in, in a player that, that is going to play the edge. Uh, you don't get too aggressive. We saw that at times uh, with a player like Ja'Kai Polite, a really pass rush specialist, but at times you've got to be able to set the edge, especially in the SEC with all these uh, these running teams here. So uh, committed to Florida over Virginia Tech. 
And this one is big because it was instrumental, I, I, I think, in, in this staff in getting this commitment pushed up. Uh, Powell was supposed to commit on July the 4th, had an announcement set up for that. We kind of knew by now it was a Florida-Virginia Tech battle, and this staff got him to push that up about a week uh, now. And Torian Gray, Todd Grantham, as I mentioned earlier, were, were the, the two main cogs here on, on the staff and getting that, uh, get kind of maybe even getting that pushed up a little bit. Uh, I mean, we've seen a recent string of commitments here from the Gators and you know, add one more here, you know, on the heels of, of big-time prospect Derek Wingo, uh, his flip from Penn State. And he's the 165th player overall, the number 11 outside linebacker. Uh, you're sure to see a jump from him after his MVP performance uh, at the Rivals camp. So you got two big-time players here. And you got the 136th-ranked player in Powell and 165th-ranked player in uh, in Derek Wingo. And, you know, this Florida, I tell you, you know, combine that, you know, combine Powell and Wingo with – uh, what you have with Gervin Dexter and, and, and your 42nd overall uh, player, third-ranked defensive tackle. You got Johnny Brown uh, as well, 194th-ranked player, um, 18th defensive tackle. You just got a commitment from Lamar Goods, who's the 334th overall player, uh, 31st defensive tackle. And you got the makings of, uh, <laughs> of a pretty good uh, front seven uh, for this 2020 class. And you know, especially this recent string here of uh, you know five commits, uh, since last Friday, seven in the month of June. But I think, you know, UF, Florida's pretty much hit their floor. I, I think as far as targets and, and commits go, if you want to look at rankings that way, I don't think, you know, you'll be seeing too many. Uh, I think from here on out, you're going to see the level of commitments kind of rise uh, as Florida gets, uh, as Florida moves forward uh, through the through the dead period. Friday Night Lights coming up, the season's coming up, and I think that the commitments, you know, I don't know how Florida, how many Florida can really take right now, 24, 25, maybe up to 27 of with how the counters work. And uh, But I think Florida's hit the floor as far as the lo- kind of lower-ranked prospects. I think we're going to see, you know, maybe some for, from here on out, uh, highly ranked three stars, four stars. Some guys maybe get bumped up to five stars. Maybe another maybe Bowman flip later on, maybe hopefully uh, there. But I think you, a few players you're looking at with some big jumps in Gervin Dexter and Derek Wingo, uh, Manuel, according to what happens uh, this fall uh, as well, with maybe Antoine Powell getting more of a bump as well. So, you know, we'll see uh, what happens there. But just a quick update uh, on, on the heels of uh, Antoine Powell uh, committing to the Gators. Uh, big time, big time player, as I mentioned, 136 ranked player in the country. And a big get for Dan Mullen and staff here. And, you know, right after the dead period starts, uh, going into the holidays, going into a, a month where you're not going to hear a lot of news. Uh, maybe a couple, maybe one more, two more before Friday Night Lights. But uh, this is a good way to uh, yeah, put a little bit of spark in recruiting uh, before fall camp. Friday Night Lights all starts around the same time and going into the seasons. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Thanks to Phil Steele for joining me on this episode. Make sure you pick up your copy of his 2019 preview magazine. Everyone out there, have a safe and happy 4th of July. Tell your family and friends about Gators Breakdown while enjoying the holiday. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.